When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. And of course, uh, happening late this afternoon, unfortunately, Hall of Fame coach turned broadcaster John Madden passes away. When you get on that sideline... He was the voice of football who worked for every major network during his broadcasting career. He did a good job of catching... And he was willing to have a laugh when he explained the turduckins. It's a, it's a chicken, a duck, a turkey. But before TV, John Madden was a Hall of Fame coach, and the younger generation knows him for the Madden video games that carry his name. The NFL says John Madden died unexpectedly on Tuesday morning at the age of 85... NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell saying nobody loved football more than coach. He was football. Alex Stone, ABC News. Yeah, what a what a life, what a career as Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 joins us from down the, down the hallway in, in Calgary. And of course, we will talk World Juniors and some hockey as Canada now does get the 10th goal to make it 10-1, Pat. But uh, I mean, this, this is what a life, what a name. And and just saying John Madden, Pat sparks so many uh, so many memories. Because like he, coach, broadcaster, and oh yeah, the most famous sports video game series of all time. I mean, it's just incredible. Well, when I heard the news earlier tonight, the first thing I thought of was like, so, so I, I, you just heard that, that ABC report. And so, you know, I'm kind of in the middle generation where my first, my first uh, kind of awareness of John Madden was not so much John Madden, the football coach. And just before the Madden video games happened, I, I think it was, do you remember the, the movie, Little Giants. I'm pretty sure, John, that was my that. first introduction to, okay. to Little Giants, to, to John Madden, rather, was in Little Giants with Rick Moranis, and uh, he kind of he helped the team out, and that was where I was like, who is this larger-than-life guy? And then I remember a few years later, that's when I first started playing the Madden games. My my biggest Madden legacy game, because I am a uh, absolute defender and connoisseur of the Nintendo 64 Madden 64 remains my favorite football game ever played uh, it was so deep like it would have been like 1998 ish so detailed so in-depth for an N64 game it was ahead of its time and and it was ahead of kind of the the curve for the way the Madden games are going to go for the next gen systems I love the guy uh, I you know I still remember the late games on Sunday afternoon him and Pat Summerall and it was such a, a crazy combination you had like the most understated play-by-play guy in the history of high-level sports like Pat Summerall would call a game-winning walk-off playoff field goal as as <laughs> if it was a kickoff in the preseason and it worked he did it so well that's right and, and I was talking have, about that earlier. Yeah. 
He's, he's the best. And then you pair him with Madden, and Madden is this larger-than-life, bombastic guy. I, I absolutely loved him. I, I loved him on Monday Night Football. Uh, I, I loved him uh, on the video games. I loved how he could make fun of himself and the cameos that he would do. Like, he, he will remain for me when I think NFL. You know, for, for some people, it's Frank Gifford, a little older than you and I. Uh, for some people now, maybe it's uh, John Gruden or Tony Romo. But for me, when I think NFL and when I first became a really big NFL fan, it was uh, it was John Madden for me. So I was uh, that was pretty sobering news today. Not 85 years old. Like I don't know if there is a human being on earth that you know accomplished more, lived lived more, lived better. Like that is 85 well lived, accomplished years for John Madden. So rest in peace, the big man. What an absolute legend. I was I was pretty choked when I heard that news today. Uh, well, and and I did a very brief. Uh... Uh, Pat Summerall impression earlier and I just thought of this would have been Pat Summerall describing the David Tyree helmet catch Eli Manning under pressure deep ball Tyree pinned it against his helmet incredible first down like that, that's how he would have called that play and then Madden would have jumped in and like it would have been sounded like the roof was caving in right like that it was, it was so cool listening to those guys I, I don't even know if you would get an incredible. Like I don't even if he, he would throw it. Like would he throw a superlative in? I don't know. Like I, I sometimes I he. Would, I, I think right sometimes he said. I think sometimes he would say like great catch, you know, or whatever. But like you said, it was all like it was the preseason kickoff. Here's the fourth string quarterback uh, getting sacked. You know, that's. But it that's worked. Always. Like I, I always. I, like, I loved. I, I remember why. I think it was. I think it was an Arizona Cardinals walk-off win way back he was calling, and it was a walk-off overtime win, field goal, and it was it was like a 47-yard or so. was not a gimme by any means, and it was, and the kick is up, game over. And you're just like, yes, like the, only he could pull that off. Nobody else could pull that off, but it, it, it still captured the moment because he let Madden and he let the crowd do the rest of the work. I, 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 that is one of my, like, I think Nance and Romo are, are kind of the benchmark now. I've, I've really turned into a big Aikman and, and Buck fan as well. Um, but I, I still think like the benchmark for me in terms of NFL play-by-play teams uh, will, will always be Madden and Summerall. I, I know they were awesome together. And, and the video game, and I was mentioning this earlier in the show, you and I, I, I don't play it anymore. I mean, I, I have well one friend especially that gets it every year and plays multiple seasons. But you don't say to somebody, or you never did say to somebody, "Hey, do you want to play football on the N64? Do you want to play PlayStation football?" No. You would you like to play Madden? And there's probably young people now. I mean, I guess they're going to hear about them today, but who might not maybe even know why it's called Madden. but uh, And what's interesting as well, uh, I watched a series on Netflix uh, on video games a few months ago, or maybe last year. Time's a bit of a blur. But one of them was on sports games and how Madden insisted that it was 11-on-11 football. Because in the mid-'80s when they were developing that game, the processors weren't capable of doing much more than 6v6 or 7v7. And Madden said, well... I want it to be an instructional tool as much as a game. And it's, if it's not 11 or on 11, yep. we're not going to do it. So that that's why they said, well, okay, if, we, if he wants it as realistic as possible and 
I mean, if you've ever played those Madden games, I mean, the depth of them and the number of plays and, and I'm not saying you can learn everything about football from playing Madden, but I, I do think you can learn a little bit. You can learn, you could probably learn a little bit, some of the terminology at least. Well, I learned, like, I, I remember what, cause I went, when I first started playing Madden 64, I got it for my birthday with the N64. That was the one game that I got. And so you're trying to like, I, I remember like you'd call a play and you'd learn like the two plays that would work, right? Like right. halfback dive, <laughs> halfback dive, which is like the easiest play. I form, yeah, you hand it off, and he goes up the middle. And and uh, a tight end, uh, a tight end play on play action. I would just always, but then like when you started to learn a little bit more about how the plays worked, and you started to learn a little bit more about football. Well, then because every time I try to run the counter, well, it would go nowhere because I didn't know what it was doing. But then all of a sudden you learn and you actually watch the play and you see which way the old linemen are blocking, and they're like, oh, they're blocking that way and it's saying you go the oh so you're countering which way the the o-line well i see what you're doing or you run off tackle or or some of the different blitz plays i that literally more so than any of the playstation games and they got so much more in depth and i got so bad at them because i i'm a like i'm a little older like we're we're i'm late 30s right so like i, I like to i'm a little bit more of a button masher i don't have the patience anymore <laughs> I, I don't have patience to play online with somebody who's really good like i need to play at the at a lower level and enjoy myself but i learned so much about the game of football from playing those games because you learned how a play was supposed to run and then you turn a game on on tv and you're watching you're watching a battle of alberta and you see them run the same player like oh that that's that's how a wide receiver screen works okay and then I, then you go and you're like i can now run that oh look at that that's how it's supposed to work i i learned a ton about football i i swear to you i learned like 70 percent of what I know about the sport of football, thanks to playing those Madden games. And then once you're in this job, you get to, you know, you, you get to talk to coaches and stuff like that. And that's probably the rest of it. Cause otherwise I, I'm not going to learn anything myself. I believe, uh, I, I think it was Michael Strahan. If, if it, if it wasn't, I apologize, but I know there was an NFL defensive lineman who was, who was inspired to improve because of his poor rating in one of the Madden games. It might have been Strahan early in his career. Um, I, I think that's a true story and not not an urban legend. But even if it is an urban legend, it's somebody's probably done it, whether they've admitted it or not. Hey, Pat, can, can you stay on the line? Because I want to talk about Oilers and Flames and World Juniors and some of the things that are going on in the NHL. Can you hang on for a couple minutes? Uh, you're going to break? Yeah, I can do that. Quick, quick break. Uh, more with Pat Steinberg after this. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, now 11-1, Canada leading Austria. Nine minutes left in the third period. Shots are 59-20 for Canada. The other game, uh, Pat Steinberg, a forfeit. United States will lose 1-0 to Switzerland because of some COVID issues for the U.S., so we'll see what happens there. Uh, another game in the NHL postponed today because of COVID. And uh, then some games, including uh, some involving the Calgary Flames, postponed once there can be more fans in the building. Now, it's, it's still 50% capacity in Alberta, but what, what games here have been affected for Calgary? So just the one additional game, so they're up to seven now on their, uh, on their postponed list, but just one more has been postponed, and that's their annual 
New Year's Eve game against uh, against Winnipeg. So they are supposed to return, and we're going on the assumption that they're back come Thursday in Seattle, but they have not played a game since December 11th, and the next scheduled home game after this game that's been postponed additionally, their next scheduled home game is until January 11th, and that's if it goes forward. So as of right now, we're talking about at least a month between home games for the Calgary Flames. It's crazy when you think about it. Like they were, they were like they, they were getting pounded by their schedule, and they had as busy a schedule as anyone in the NHL to start the year and they had 14 back-to-backs on the docket this year then they get shut down and if they do end up playing and I think they're going to I think they will play on uh, Thursday night in Seattle but if that ends up going forward then we're talking about all told 19 days between games and yeah they're going to go a month between home games here all right and then uh, I mean we wait and see the Olympic break will not be the Olympic yeah, and the Olympic break will not be a break anymore. I, I, I wonder what the schedule is going to Oh, Austria got a goal, 11-2 now. Good for them to get another goal against Canada. Canada's, uh, Canada's still covering right now, though. It's eight and a half points was the eight and a half goals. Oh, was it really? I didn't even look at what the line <laughs> Okay, well, good for them. Um, the Olympic break will not be a break, but it's not so simple that all the postponed games are going to get stuffed in there because of building availability, travel, probably more games postponed between now and that like are we looking at the regular season going into the second or maybe even third week of may now well i don't think so like the the good news for calgary is first of all i think the nhl is for all seven canadian teams i think they're trying to kick the can down the road as much as they can so that when we're talking about full capacity returning in the nhl or, or in canada rather that they can get all of these games kind of put in. So as, as I understand it, like I would not be surprised, for instance, if Calgary goes to Seattle, maybe they come back practice, but their next game uh, the, after the postponed game, the next one after that is a game on January 2nd in Chicago. That kicks off a four-game road trip for the Flames. So I think they'll go on that four-game road trip, and I think there's a pretty good chance that we see them probably in January where they got a few more home games still to be played. The next one's on January 11th. Would not surprise me, Reed, if we're talking about them postponing those games and maybe they're not playing a home game again until February or late January, just so that we can be talking about them having the best chance or a better chance anyway to be in a spot where they can uh, where they can have actual capacity in stands. Like we, we've seen what it's done to the World Juniors. We've seen what not having food and drink in the building has done to attendance. And I'm not. I I, I have no desire anymore to get political about this stuff. I'm not smart enough to know what's right or what's wrong anymore. All I know is that if you're a fan, you probably want to be. In, a, in an experience where you're able to enjoy the game and it's it's more than just sitting there and watching a game. So the NHL is trying to protect their revenues here. And we're talking about, like, what what they say? For the game that the Habs had to play with no fans, it was something in the $2 million range that Montreal lost. It's gone. You're never recouping that revenue. And, and I know that we're talking about billionaire owners. I understand all that. But for a business, whether it's a massive business like the NHL or not, like, if you're talking about 
say that it's 50 games between seven teams that end up having to play with 50% or 0% capacity, well, we're talking about like 50, 60, $70 million just gone. And so with the Olympic break now not being a break and having that two and a half, three week swath of at the very least open dates available to you, well, now you can you can start to put yourself in a spot where you have flexibility if indeed the capacity limits are lifted and we're talking about things being back normal here in the, the somewhat near future. And so I, I understand what they're doing. Um, and for Calgary, the good news is their arena situation, there's not a whole lot of closed dates during the Olympic break. They did not book. I think there's an Arkells concert. There's three other dates that are Hitman or Roughnecks in the National Lacrosse League. And otherwise, I believe they're pretty open. So they'd have the flexibility to, for instance, the, the Battle of Alberta that was supposed to be played, what, uh, tonight? Or, uh, yeah, it was supposed to be played uh, yesterday, last, rather. Last that, night, yep. yeah. Yeah, last night. So they can move that game into February, perhaps, because they'll have the flexibility. And the Toronto game that they were supposed to play a few weeks ago, they might be able to move that in. So they'll have a little bit of flexibility in that regard. So I, I don't I, I don't know if it's going to necessarily push the regular season past the end of April. What I could end up seeing, though, is we're talking about a flame schedule that is a, an absolute grinder for a good two- or three-month span because they've got seven games at least that they're going to have to make up because they missed six, and they're almost certainly playing Thursday in Seattle, but they've missed six and now a seventh for the New Year's Eve game that's been postponed for non-COVID protocol reasons instead for restrictions in the building. It's going to be it's going to be a fascinating challenge, and that's why I don't think the NHL has come out with a revised schedule because I don't know what they if they know what it's going to look like yet. They're still waiting. They're kind of just buying themselves some time here until they can come out with a more complete revised look for the rest of the year. All right, Pat. Hey, thanks for checking in, buddy. We appreciate it. Have a good show tomorrow. Hey, buddy. Appreciate it. You be well. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.